Welcome to Pullback. This is future Kyla introducing the episode. Trying to be a good person can be overwhelming in our complex global marketplace. In this podcast, we try to make it a little easier by looking at the details behind consumer movements, product labels, and ethical lifestyles. Each episode, we challenge ourselves to try something new in ethical consumption, and then we tell you what we learned, fuck-ups and all. So this week, we were joined by Kieran and Maddie D from Potential Spoilers to talk about movies. In the first episode that we released earlier this week, we talked about some problems in Hollywood, and we talked about some independent movies that we went to see as part of our challenge. And then what we thought would be a fun way to finish this crossover episode uh, would be to take a leaf from Kieran and Maddie D's books and create some ethical plots. So that's what we're going to talk about now. You're going to be dropped in right when we started uh, that part of our challenge, which was to come up with the most ethical movies that we could. This was recorded in February before COVID-19 was declared a pandemic. So the tone is a little bit different. And of course, the movie industry is on hiatus right now. Uh, But this is still a really fun episode. It made me laugh to edit it. I hope you guys can get some enjoyment out of it. Okay, cool. Let's move on to the second challenge that I gave you guys, which was something I was really looking forward to. I think um, for people who've listened to both podcasts, they'll appreciate what I've done here. But I asked you guys to make the most ethical movie you could. And I left it really vague. Um, But I think we're going to start with Kristen because she's really worried about hers and I want her to rip it off like a (laughs) Band-Aid. Yes, thank you. I'm sure it's great. Well, I mean, the the thing is, I had started to come up with a concept for mine, and then I went back and did my prep for listening to your podcast, and I realized that, like, I was not doing the right thing at all. So I changed it, and hopefully it's just the right format now. (laughs) Uh, So we'll see. (laughs) Uh, My idea is not so much funny as it is a a movie that I actually think would be an ethical movie to make. So Okay. Yeah. Uh, So... I decided the easiest way to come up with a plot was to just turn a book into a movie. <laughs> Seems to be the easiest way to go. Uh, adaptation. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so um, the book that I chose is uh, a book called An Ocean of Minutes, and it's written by a woman named Thea Lynn, who's a Toronto-based writer. Um, I read it about a year ago, and it's really good. So uh, I'll, I'll go over the plot. Uh, have you guys ever wanted to watch a tra- time travel movie, but then thought... This is way too fun. I wish everything was a lot sadder. <laughs> yeah, Every always. time I watch that's, a time travel movie. That's why I watch always. Primer. Where are the tragic time travel movies at? <laughs> Have I got the film for you. <laughs> so um, the film is set in like this alternative version of 1980s Buffalo, New York. Uh, so lots of acid wash denim, shoulder pads, that kind of thing. And uh, the main character, Polly, is living with her boyfriend, Frank, uh, doing whatever people from Buffalo do. Which I imagine really isn't that different from what people in Toronto do, like across a lake from each other. Um, so in this version of the 1980s, there's a company called Time Razor that has invented time travel. And unfortunately, in this version of the 1980s, the world is also in the middle of a deadly flu pandemic. Uh, so there's people topical. dying everywhere. Topical. Yeah, topical, yeah. No, yeah, people are dying everywhere. It's chaotic. It's um, like all over the globe. And the good news is that there actually is a cure for this illness. Unfortunately, the bad news is that in this version of the 1980s, uh, the cure is um, basically owned by companies and it's really expensive. So Frank gets infected. Polly's super upset. Um, He's a bartender and she's a student, so neither of them can afford it. 
So when Timeraiser offers to heal Frank in exchange for five years of bonded labor that Polly would have to serve in the future, she takes the deal. Um, so they make a plan to meet up in 1993, but then when Polly's actually sent to do her bonded labor, she's sent an extra five years into the future and all of their plans get messed up. Um, so yeah, um, also in this shitty version of uh, the 1980s and 1990s, the pandemic has basically split America into two countries. So Polly basically ends up in a different country entirely. She has no status, no money, knows nobody. And she also has to basically work in debt bondage for this company for a few years. So the movie basically would follow Polly as she tries to survive in this new reality, all the while she's like clinging to this hope that she'll be reunited with her boyfriend. Um, and at first, Polly has sort of like a relatively cushy job restoring antique furniture, um, but <laughs> uh, her supervisor fucks her over and she gets moved to a worse job with worse pay, um, where she's basically riding a bicycle all day just to power the air conditioning for a tourist resort. Along the way, you meet other characters. Most of them are in si shitty situations and they're doing shitty things to each other. Um, and then there's sort of like a bunch of rosy flashbacks to the 1980s as well. Because this is a real book, I didn't want to spoil the ending, so I'll just say, does Polly ever work her way out of debt bondage? Will she earn enough money to buy a visa? Will she find Frank? Is Frank dead? Is this all a clunky metaphor for America's migration issues? Watch to find out. <laughs> wow. Lovely. And can I ask, who did you have in mind to play the two leads, Polly and Frank? Yeah, so I actually did find an actress um, that I was fairly happy with. I don't think anyone really will have heard of her. Maybe some Canadians, but um, her name's uh, Kawana Harry Devery Jacobs, and she's an Indigenous Canadian actress. Um, and she, you might know her. Um, I don't know if anyone, if any of you guys have watched American Gods, um, but she played Sam Crow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so she was a she was a small character on that. Um, but she's also played like a few big roles in Canadian film. And I just thought that that would be good from sort of a representation perspective. Uh, for actor, I was like, I don't know. It's, it's very difficult because like the character of Frank has to age 20 years. So you need somebody that looks like a, like a lovable dirt bag, but you can also make him look 20 years older. So I was like, I don't know, Adam Driver? Oh, of course. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he's popular at the moment. That was what I voted for. Yeah, definitely. She asked me, she's like, who should I cast? And she gave me a couple of names. And I was like, I vote for Adam Driver. I have a huge crush on him. Give him a mustache and he's he's older. He has a lot of range as well. So I could see him do yeah. it. Yeah. He punched a wall in Marriage Story. He's perfect. <laughs> and by any chance, have you seen the movie 12 Monkeys? No. <laughs> it was one of Brad Pitt's early movies. He's yeah, great in that. Right. Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt. He it's is, about a yeah. virus that in the future kills everybody, so they use time travel to go back and try and prevent the virus. They ripped happening. off the book. <laughs> oh, yeah, they must have ripped off that book. <laughs> they must have ripped off that book. Amazing. <laughs> Christian, was there anything else you wanted to add about your movie? or The only other pick that I had for that one was that I picked uh, Denis Villeneuve as the director. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian national treasure. And what has he done? Oh, my gosh. So much stuff. Um, so people probably will have seen Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, and, I mean, Dune is coming up. Um, but the one that I want to <laughs> oh, shout yes. out oh, is yeah. this really fucked up Quebecois film that he did called Milestrom. I don't know if any of you guys saw that movie. Absolutely no, not. No, I can't say I have. It's the weirdest film I've ever seen, but it was really critically acclaimed. Um, it's like 
It's about this woman who kills a fishmonger while she's drunk driving, and she basically ends up in a relationship with the fishmonger's son, and at one point, the fishmonger's ashes get poured all over her, and the whole thing is narrated by a talking fish that's being decapitated with a butcher's knife constantly the entire time. Okay, let's check it out. A very strange film. Right after this. Uh, I have heard of this movie, actually. That does ring a bell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably had to watch it in uh, high school French class, Kyla. Right. Oh, well, I did not <laughs> wow. take high school French. Lucky me. <laughs> either, did, uh, either did we down here. <laughs> so do you guys want to go next or do you want me to go next? Yeah, we're happy to go. Next. Let's let's do it. Let's do it because we work together on this one. We put yeah. our brains together uh, to try to come up with something. Now, I just want to say I really wanted to do a Captain Planet movie, but that got vetoed early on. So <laughs> I wanted to do an original concept. So uh, we wanted to create a, an original concept, uh, and we tried to make our movie both ethical and marketable. So yeah. we tried to make it into a blockbuster. So you probably so we get wanted that. to make a movie that people would actually go and see. I'm not saying that they wouldn't see Kristen's movie. I'm sure they would, but I wanted <laughs> I to, definitely would wanted to be as mass back, market Kristen. as possible. So we wanted to try and get as many bums in seats as possible. So it's going to yep. be what PG rated. Yeah, it's going to be for all audiences, but it's going to have an edge to it that's going to appeal to everybody, not just kids and teens. Yeah. So another thing that we did, we didn't want to hire anybody based on their gender, their appearance, their sexuality, or their race. So we'll get into that in a sec, who exactly Um, is going to play our lead character. Also, just blanket statement, a lot of the stuff that we talked about early on in the podcast... We're all using ethical things at backstage. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> just, film, just blanket statement. The film is being shot digitally. It's, it's so environmental. It's, it's being shot on celluloid. Um, I don't know. They're using renewable energy to run the light. They're using solar-powered yep. lights, I guess. <laughs> no animals were that. legitimately harmed in the movie. There's no paper scripts. All the scripts are um, on iPads. They're all digital scripts. <laughs> and we wanted the movie... Oh. I guess this may not work, but we can say that it's worked into the plot anyway. We wanted the the movie to pass the Bechdel test, where, as we discussed earlier, where there's two women in a scene who are named characters who can have a conversation that isn't about a man. Now, we also didn't want to include a romantic subplot, but we caved and we included one yep. anyway for the sake <laughs> of interest. So I thought we'd ask you guys to help us out as we go along with a couple of these elements. (laughs) And I thought as well that you guys might be able to role play a little bit, not too intently. Yeah. As the producers that we're pitching this movie to. (laughs) So you get to basically decide all the major casting decisions. And I guess to a lesser extent as well, the director too, because we didn't even consider that. Yeah. But um, (laughs) there's going to be a few things that we prompt you on as we go through it. Mm. And... Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys come yeah. up with in conjunction with us. Yeah, so essentially we wanted to create characters that were castable, um, with, as Kieran said, in real, yeah. like without uh, gender-assigned sort of characteristics or sexuality-assigned characteristics. Um, so there may be a point where we'll ask you guys who you think should be cast in this particular role just based on their traits. Just um, the first person that comes to your mind. Just the first person comes to your mind. If you guys don't know <laughs> you have to decide between the actors, two of you. If you guys don't know particular actors, that's fine. Just even if you said the person from this TV show, that's totally or fine movie. as well. Okay. okay. Or movie, yeah. <laughs> so of course, because we've decided to make the movie as mass market as possible, of course, we decided to make a superhero movie. Which we love on our show. Yeah, now anybody who's listened to our show knows that I don't really like superhero movies, so this was kind of a struggle to make something that A, hadn't really been done, and B, would appeal to audiences that don't like superhero movies. So maybe 
in not liking them myself, I can create one that people <laughs> like myself will actually find appealing. <laughs> so basically, it's not going to be an origin story because nobody makes superhero origin stories anymore. And, and Kieran hates origin stories so as well. I'm so sick of origin stories, so I don't want another one. So they're already established superheroes. There's four of them who live on an island in the middle of the ocean in a big superhero-esque base. Mm-hmm. But, of course, it's not a real island. It's created through CGI because we don't want them <laughs> filming in a real island location, as I love we discussed it. earlier. <laughs> so our uh, four superheroes, the team that we have, are all based on elements because we're fitting in with an ethical environmental theme, but only very, very subtly. And they're each different types of superhero as well, like mm. superheroes that you may have seen in other superhero movies. So I'll just quickly list them now. And as we go through, I just want you guys to decide who is going to play the character just based on what their name is and what their abilities are. Yeah. So the first superhero that we have is a, an Earth-based elemental person. So it this person has a suit, I believe, that they've created kind of like Iron Man or... Uh, I don't <laughs> want to influence. Man. I don't want to influence the gender of the character at all. <laughs> but they have a suit that they created out of a rock substance that's harder than any metal. So yep. it's found really close to the Earth's core, and so they're basically powered. Their superhero powers come from this suit, mm. and that's all you know about them. And their name is Gallium. So it's a regular person that made something that made themselves into a superhero. Yeah, that's that right. old trope. And their name is Gallium. Who is going to play Gallium? So for the first one, I would like you guys to cast Michelle Rodriguez. Done. Oh, really? Done. So she's fresh off Fast yes. and Furious 9 and going straight into whatever this movie is called. I can see it. She's she's like a tough character. That yeah. works. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. Okay. And do you agree okay. with that, cool. Kristen? Cool. Well, my alternate suggestion was going to be Rebel Wilson, but that would make the character very different, Ooh. I think. Oh. Yeah, yeah, could work. <laughs> yeah. Well, which one do you guys prefer? Well, let's go with Kyla's because, uh, yeah. The next superhero in the movie is the wind-based elemental superhero. Now, this person is actually from space. They're an alien. They're a humanoid alien. So let's say that they look just like a person, but maybe they have blue skin and orange hair, like yep. neon orange hair. So thinking Captain Marvel, or I guess that's a pretty bad example because yeah. she was from Earth originally, or but Superman. Superman, Captain Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan. He's not from space. All oh, right. <laughs> bad example. <laughs> anyway, again. but this superhero's ability is because on their planet they're a regular person when they come to earth the gravity is a lot lighter here so they can fly through the air with the greatest of ease and they have super strength because everything here is so much lighter to them so on their planet as i say they're a regular person but here they have superpowers so who do you want to cast as this highly powered flying alien being so they can fly, but they're also super strong. That's so, right. But they're a regular person on their planet, so it's not like they're, they don't have to be overly heroic by nature. Okay. Steve the Hare Harrington from Stranger Things, whoever that guy oh, is. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Nice. I like it. Good choice. <laughs> right. Steve the jock guy. So, all right. Steve Harrington. So next up is the fire-based elemental superhero. Now, this is a Batman-style vigilante, just to give you an example. So, so it has no person- powers. Yeah, this person doesn't have any natural powers or they're not powered by a suit. So they rely on, say, martial arts skills that they've built up and their smarts they hit to the help gym. them out. Gadgets, for example, or yeah, raw human strength. They hit the gym, as Matty D says. And their vigilante name is Scorch. 
And now who would play Scorch? We also have this idea that this person will have like a flamethrower or something like that. Yeah, we thought that hands. they might have gadgets that make them shoot flames. That would be cool. Something like that. Okay, so I would like to please cast the young woman who is the voice of Flame Princess in Adventure Time. Okay, all right. I have no idea who that is, but I'll go with that. And now the last superhero in our team is the water-based elemental. Now this superhero is a mutant. So I believe when we discussed our plot previously while working on it, Maddie D and I decided that they originally were a regular person, but they were exposed to chemicals or something like that that caused them to transform into this mutant. Like Spider-Man is an example. Yeah, or any one of the X-Men really. Um, And now this person... They have scales on their skin that are hard as armor, so that protects them from, say, bullets or things like that. They're super strong while on land, and they're super fast while in the ocean or any sort of body of water. And they also have gills so they can breathe underwater, but they don't have any issues with breathing on land. Did you say they can grow their limbs back? Oh, yeah, and that's (laughs) right. And they can also regenerate or grow back any limbs that are lost. We are sick of water-based superheroes not being good on land, so we wanted to make our... We wanted to make sure that they were useful in any circumstance. Love it. Wanted to give them a leg up. (laughs) Is it too cheeky if we cast Jason Momoa? No, not at all. Not at all. He's being typecast at this point. I'm <laughs> glad that you can live up to the Hollywood stereotype of negative body image casting <laughs> and typecasting as well. So <laughs> I guess the industry hasn't changed that much. <laughs> well, I was going to suggest maybe um, because it sounds like this character character could have a lot of potential for comic relief. So I thought Olivia Munn might be a good choice. Ooh. Okay, we'll do that instead. I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> Even well, which one are we going? Olivia with? Munn. We'll go with Jason Momoa for no, gender. No, 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 Olivia Munn. <laughs> yeah, let's do Jason Momoa. No, no. <laughs> Does that mean that we're, how many guys and how many girls do we have then? If that's it's the half case? and half. Yeah, yeah it's half, half and half, half. Okay. then. Yeah, good. That's the right. And now, how racially balanced are we there with the casting? Oh, you we guys. Got, well, Jason Momoa. Yeah. yeah I and suppose. Michelle Rodriguez. And Michelle Rodriguez. Okay, good enough. Good <laughs> enough, guys. Good effort. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's what a producer would say. So solid B. <laughs> you guys put as much thought in as regular casting agents do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into our plot. So the movie is going to open with a cold open because, of course, it is that introduces our heroes one by one as they take care of a baddie. Now, who do you think the baddie is going to be in this circumstance, Matty D? What, in the cold open? Yeah, I reckon some open. fat business tycoon that has a big cigar. Yeah. yeah, maybe they're illegally dumping oil into the ocean. Yeah. This is uh, <laughs> me trying to fit in the Captain Planet villain somehow. Yeah, well, we're not doing Captain Planet. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is where our superheroes swoop in. They all come in one by one, showing off their abilities, and they are able to handily take down the bad guy and i think we'll introduce the we'll introduce the alien humanoid zephyrus character last because he's gonna clean house yeah he is the most powerful sorry it is a guy isn't it it's it's joe keery yeah he and we're keeping his hair that he <laughs> has yeah, in that's right. he's got his steve Harris <laughs> that's a rule things hair <laughs> that's a rule but it's bright orange now <laughs> so they all clean up the bad guys put behind bars and then we get a few scenes where we get to know our heroes. So Zephyrus, who's Steve Keery's character, he doesn't show any emotion because he's from a different planet and they don't have the human range of emotions on this planet. So he spends his time watching soap operas, I guess, mm. and then trying to learn human emotions and go around and practice on his fellow superheroes 
pretending, I suppose, like data from Star Trek, like he understands and knows human emotions. So he's very over the top in his emotions. Right. And then we have Gallium, who's going to be super competitive. Now, this is Michelle Rodriguez. Yes. So that's kind of works. Yes. So super competitive on everything that she does. And we put here that she can be a massive fitness freak because she's sort of chasing this ideal of being perfect. And that's going to be kind of a character flaw. So she's too competitive for her own good. Mm. Uh, next up is Scorch, who is extremely polite and became a vigilante essentially to help old ladies cross the street and to open doors for people. So yeah, this is being played by the voice actor from Adventure Time, who I'm not familiar with. So she was sick of all the just rude people in the world. She was just sick of rude people, and that includes criminals. But yeah, even people who don't hold doors open for people. So she put She's- on a costume and then went into the world just to be a really helpful person. And that, of course, naturally evolved into fighting crime. Yeah, she's as a, a vigilante. She's a nice community uh, orientated vigilante. She brings justice to people who don't have access to justice. <laughs> so that's my favorite character, by the way. Yes, if a criminal is wrongly released without charges, she'll go and beat them up as his standard vigilante style. So now we have Setos, who's our water-based uh, elemental superhero. That is it was Jason Momoa. Jason I Momoa. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Who's essentially like a crazy cat person, but with fish. So Jason Momoa talks to fish, and that's the only species they get along with. And they get along, yeah. So they don't really get along well with people. So they're more comfortable talking to their fish. So he has a bedroom that's just full of pet fish. So the whole wall's surrounded by all these fish tanks, and he's always complaining to his other humanoid superheroes that oh their conversations are too boring it can have way more interesting conversations just with his fish pets yep all right so now we're going to dive into the plot proper so unfortunately the world comes under attack from an alien race known as the eminor who are robots with living brains that drive them around so because we can kill them and not feel guilty about it yeah exactly exactly so if you can imagine them they have like robot bodies with like a floating brain in a case at the top like that hasn't been done a million times before (laughs) (laughs) And these aliens are being led by their commander, whose name is Metis, who is voiced by Jaiman Honsu, because by law, he has to be in every movie. Yeah, sorry, guys. We had to take this (laughs) casting from you. (laughs) He's in everything these days. So the Eminor blow up a famous landmark. Which landmark do you reckon they should blow up? What's one that hasn't appeared in a movie too often? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ooh, let's do a Canadian landmark. Kristen, let's blow something up in Toronto. Yeah, let's do a Canadian landmark. I mean, the CN Tower. That's yeah, the big one. we love the CN Tower. <laughs> okay, that's being blown up. Goodbye. So they, what was it, the CN Tower? Yeah, it's the tallest building in Canada. <laughs> What's it? The, is CN it Tower? CN Tower? Yeah. Okay, so they blow up the CN Tower, as you say, and this is a declaration of war against the human race. And mind you, this chaos is being covered by Ace News reporter Kristen. That's your role in the movie, Kristen. Right. We've, cast <laughs> We've cast you. And she's being filmed by her camera operator, Kyla. <laughs> there you go. You're cast as well, Kyla. <laughs> I feel so seen. <laughs> <laughs> so our heroes assemble to take on the aliens head on, but they are no match for them since the aliens cannot be defeated conventionally, since they essentially kind of every time they get defeated, they kind of reassemble. Yeah, like, that's uh, right. Terminator 2. And we're going to say that, well, we decided Setos and Gallium are going to realize that they're in love. So, so that- who have we got as Setos? So, Setos is the fish person. So, that's Jason Momoa. Yep. And Gallium is Michelle Rodriguez. So, those two are falling <laughs> up, Which I was kind of hoping for something more, you know, 
equal opportunity, but I guess just by luck Unless of the draw, it didn't pick happen. Two other characters to fall in love. Jason Momoa and 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 Joe Keery or something like that. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, please. That would have a huge <laughs> fan base then. <laughs> the character arc of Zephyrus is that they learn that their lack of emotions isn't actually a bad thing and not a hindrance. It's actually a positive asset to them because they're actually more uh, capable as a leader and more capable as a fighter. So they don't rather feel than, fear, rather than going into battle, rather than the old you know trope of oh they learn how to be more human. We're like no. He was perfect the whole time. He just learned to love himself. And that's Joe Keery. It's very affirming. I like that. He learned to love Setos <laughs> as well, apparently. Yeah. And uh, Scorch, my favorite character. We're just going to say that Scorch finally is noticed for their good actions, deeds, and manners. So Scorch doesn't need to, you know, build confidence or do something bra- brave She's and heroic. She's finally noticed for her good deeds. She was heroic the entire time. So, towards the climax of the movie, our heroes will travel to the Eminor homeworld, and there they confront Metis, and they soon discover that the Earth's government, the whole reason that the Eminor were attacking in the first place, is because Earth's government were secretly stealing the Eminor's ample supply of fresh water. Yes. Since (gasps) the Eminor planet is entirely made up of oceans, which are all freshwater rather than salt water, Mm. so when human astronauts discovered this they were like great we don't have to worry about using all of our resources anymore we don't have to use those terrible expensive desalination plants anymore that are also bad for the environment we're just going to go steal water from another planet that has heaps and of course in doing so meant they were bombing another planet which may be a metaphor for something yes you know we've we've had in the past years who knows we're the monsters (laughs) we're the monsters so the eminor's war on earth was really a counter-attack because the Eminor race are actually more smart and intelligent and they actually are an advanced race that have already discovered a way to power their planet that don't rely on using up all their resources. Yeah. So we could definitely learn something from them. So when our heroes return to Earth, they overthrow the corrupt world government, including two slimy, oil-greedy politicians played by myself and Kieran. That's our our addition to the movie. I think we could do that pretty well. We could do that well. And of course, we're going to die in a very embarrassing and humiliating way. And we are left on an ambiguous note, not knowing if this will make the world a better place or not. And if the heroes that slain the corporate world, the big bad government are actually good guys or have they just added to the problem? So all the world's governments have been overthrown at this point. And yeah, will the world become a better place because of that? Will we find a way to recover and renew with just the, the regular person on the street? Or will it be a worse place? We're going to send people away thinking. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We're going to point at the screen. The actors are going to stand and they're going to point at the screen and say, it's up to you. The world is what you make. It's going to be a Lorax ending, not the movie. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. And that was our movie. Love it. So I'm excited to hear Kyla's movie then, if we have a Yeah, it's going to be a lot shorter than yours, I think. Yours was very thorough. Um... (laughs) That was us doing a short plot. heard our show you know that we don't do them that short i know i really appreciated how concise it was thanks lads uh i only need help with one thing on my movie and that's coming up with a title so while i explain it you guys can come up with your best title ideas and pitch them to me at the end if you please i'm so glad that you glossed over that our movie didn't have a title (laughs) (laughs) our movie doesn't have a title (laughs) okay so my movie is Basically, John Wick, except a scientist murders billionaires. Like it, like it, like it. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad that I have you so far. That was your plot. Well done. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) So 
The movie focuses around a scientist who is constantly going to talks with world governments and, you know, preaching like, if we don't do these things, we're not going to be able to halt two degrees of warming and everyone's going to die and stuff like that. And she's getting more and more frustrated as governments pay like lip service and are like, yeah, this is important. And then turn around and like green light oil pipelines. <laughs> and she responds to a crisis in Manila, where there is um, a huge hurricane and like 9 million people are suddenly like displaced. And, like Manila is basically sinking because the hurricane is so bad and no other government in the world will take the take the, the Manila like residents uh, in. And she becomes very frustrated because she was she was one of the first responders. And so she's seeing life on the ground and she's like, you know what? This is fucked because Manila has a lot of rich people who live in it. Um, and they were the first ones to be evacuated and they give it out no problem. And then all of the poorer people who live in Manila, they have nowhere to go and nobody wants them. And she's like, fuck this, I'm going after rich people. So her backstory is that her parents used to be like high flying politicians. So she always had bodyguards and they were her best friends and they taught her how to like fight. And so she she's really like well-trained in hand-to-hand -hand combat. <laughs> And she decides to reach out to one of her old bodyguards and best friends for help. So I'm going to tell you right now, the actress that I had in mind for The Scientist is Jamila Jamil from The Good Place. <laughs> she plays Tahani. <laughs> nice. <laughs> She's my main character. I just really like watching her. She is very charismatic. And her bodyguard that she seeks out is uh, Sindhu V, who is a comedian who's featured on um, the Guilty Feminist podcast. That's how I know her. But she does like stand up and stuff. And oh, yeah. yeah. So I think but she like has an edge. That's a good podcast. Yeah. She has like an edge to her. So I think she could pull off like a grumpy bodyguard who like is no nonsense and like totally badass. So together... They decide to take out all the billionaires and there's like this kick-ass scene where there's like an underground auction and they're buying like, ch like billionaires are buying like children and artwork and weapons of mass destruction and they go in and just slaughter everyone and it's really gratifying and gratuitous. There's a lot of violence. This is going to be like, maybe not R-rated, but pretty close. <laughs> maybe R-rated actually. Whatever John Wick was, it's that. <laughs> <laughs> So this is Carla's idea of an ethical movie, mind <laughs> <laughs> The right people are dying, so I guess that's what really matters. Yeah, so there are... Uh it's like a murder montage. It's super, it's super badass. There's going to be like a motorcycle chase scene at one point because every action movie has to have of that. Of course. Yes, that's I, right. Absolutely. <laughs> I did make this an action movie because action movies are the the genre where women are represented the least um, and where there's actually the least amount of change in the industry. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make an action movie. And then it kind of just wrote itself. Um, <laughs> so there are three main billionaires who are blocking renewable energy investment and trying to invest in like bad stuff that's going to destroy the planet and push us over our warming limits. So she goes after them and they get like the most dialogue and screen time as bad guys. And I've cast Adam Driver because he's hunky. Of course, of course. He's going to have to take time from Kristen's plot to come into your movie. He's, he's a castable actor in this. Yeah. And he has two cronies who try to protect him but die uh very early on in the fight, and they are played by me and Kristen. <laughs> oh, <there you laughs> nice. <go. laughs> 
Uh, and then the next billionaire is uh, played by character actress Margot Martindale, who I know best from playing herself on BoJack Horseman. <laughs> but she has been in a lot of other stuff as well. <laughs> and I think she'd do a really good job here. And uh, Matt, you are her crony who also dies. Oh, excellent. Oh, yeah. great. The part I was born to play. <laughs> and then Do the I die, did you say? Yes, yes, you definitely Fantastic. die. You die, yeah. of course. Yeah, it's really like just gratuitous violence. Um, and then the third billionaire is played by another comedian who I think would do a really good job like being funny but also evil, um, Ali Wong. And Kieran, you are her crony. Yes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and then after all, like there's, you know, plot, 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 not really. It's basically John Wick. There's not a lot of plot there. No, there's too much in John Wick. <laughs> At one point, uh, the bodyguard, played by Sindhu V, um, appears to die in like a helicopter explosion. Filmed with CGI, I'm sure. Of course. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Jamila's very upset uh, by the death of her friend. And so she decides to take the fight straight to the White House because they're the ones who are like yes. in the pockets of these big billionaires and they're the last ones to go. So oh, I hope you're blowing up the White House. <laughs> So the president is played by Hale Appleman, who I know best from my one of my favorite shows, The Magicians. He plays my favorite character, uh, Elliot. Uh, and I don't know him from anything else, but he's great. And you guys should all go watch The Magicians. He plays the president. And I hope he's not actually like a bad guy in real life. I didn't really look it up, uh, but he is We'll presume great. he isn't. Yeah, he's probably fine. And his vice president is played by Matthew McConaughey, because I just feel like he could do it, you know? He'd just do a really good all job. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> and both of them end up being, like, really good at hand-to-hand -hand combat as well, and they put up a really good fight, and things aren't looking so good for J for Jamila, because, like, all these other bad guys are coming in, and then, <gasps> out of nowhere, Sindhu V comes in, like, through the window, and they just slaughter <laughs> everybody together, and it's a bloodbath. And, uh... Uh, a new good president comes in, uh, Dwayne Johnson, playing himself. Yes. Oh, my God. We didn't cast Dwayne Johnson in our plot. Th is this going to be used for Dwayne Johnson's actual presidential campaign? <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm going to get him to so sign the on. the real president, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, rocks up playing the president. Uh, the screenplay is written by... Uh, you. Three people. No, I'm going to hire people to do this. Oh, okay. I'm going to hire uh, Alison Tafel, who wrote the best episodes of BoJack. I'm going to hire Carolyn Taylor, who writes Baroness Von Sketch Show, and this hour has 22 minutes. Um, Ali Wong is going to sit in on a couple of the writers' meetings because she's there. She might as well. And I'm going to also get uh, Nikki Yang, who is an artist who also voiced uh, BMO in Adventure Time, to come in and do like the concept art for us. Excellent. Cool. You've thought this really well out. <laughs> You've put more effort into this than we do in our regular yeah. show. <laughs> well, I'm almost done. Don't worry. Uh, our costume designer is my friend Persia. Shout out to Persia. She is very, very good at clothing. And she will get a, a murder cameo in the movie where we just slaughter her. Because she's actually an actress, but I really want her to do the costumes. Uh, does she want to do it? Does she want to have a murder scene? Oh, yeah. She would do it. She, she's a really good sport. <laughs> uh, the composer is, uh, I cannot say her name, but the woman who just won for Joker. Oh, cool. oh, yeah. 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 She just won an Oscar. Uh, so anyways, she's going to be our composer, but she's also going to bring with her three up and coming young women composers. And she's just going to show them the ropes and they'll all work on it together just to get some more like ladies into that industry. And uh, for the director, I just wrote recent Toronto International Film Festival award winner. <laughs> 
<laughs> so nice wh- work. Whoever we can get for that. And that's my movie. Uh, of course, like you guys, production is going to be totally waste-free. The cast food is going to be vegan and served on actual plates, and food scraps are going to be composted. But we won't punish cast or crew who bring packed lunches with meat in them because this is a democracy. Leftover food from catering will be donated daily. Uh, somehow, we'll figure that out when we start to actually film this thing. Uh, we're also going to rent all of our equipment instead of buying new. Costumes are all going to be handmade by well-paid tailors using ethically sourced hemp or linen. <laughs> Man, you're really off cotton now, eh? <laughs> the costumes will be donated to like schools or costuming departments. The sets and props will also be no- donated to schools or nonprofits, depending on the items, uh, and they will be purchased secondhand or made locally as much as possible. And there will be reusable cups on set for water, and also we're going to hand out like film branded water bottles as like a cast gift, or or to be purchased by like background associates or whatever for a reduced cost. Perfect. And filming locations will be close to public transit, so cast and crew can commute easily, and anything exotic <laughs> will oh. be digital. Nice. nice. Right. That's my ethical movie. <laughs> That's what we like. Love Very it. Very well thought right. out. <laughs> so what should I call it? Wow. Well, I wrote down a few things <laughs> while you were saying. Let's I hear completely them. forgot um, we're supposed so to do my, that. My first idea kind of sucks. So I don't want to go with that. But I was like, time to die, but spelt like the herb. But I was like, nah, not that one. <laughs> then, I went, then I went global warning. But I was like, that sucks Ooh, too. But I like now, that. Now, the last one is the one I want to suggest. It's... An inconvenient ass kicking. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take Love it. it. <laughs> well, that's great. I really want to see your movie. And the best part about Kristen's plot is it already exists, so we can just read the book. <laughs> and I'm excited to do that. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for sitting down with us, sort of, across three different time oh. zones to do this. We really appreciate yes, it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I just want to thank you guys very much for having us on. Yes. Yeah, thanks. This has been so fun. I just want to thank you as well for doing your show. I think you're putting the word out to a lot of people, uh, stuff that people really need to hear and in informing people in a really great way. I just wanted to congratulate you guys for doing such a good job. Yeah. And again, we we are massive fans of your show. We listen to Absolutely. it a lot and we learn a lot of things from both you guys that we weren't aware of. So a big fans of the show keep doing your work because we love it and it's really as kieran said just reiterating what kieran said it's i think it's stuff people need to hear especially now yes. in, the, in the world we live in oh you guys are so sweet i will take it thank you i also very much like your show <laughs> potential spoilers which everyone should go and listen to i've listened to every episode uh the dragon ball one where you guys make up just complete plots to a dragon ball oh yes yeah that's a great one cool runnings too <laughs> where what was it one of, them's in, one space, of them in space isn't it yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, right. that's the one that people remember. I mean, mostly days. you guys predict upcoming movies, but that's I do right. really like when you go off the rails too. So thank you for that. And thank you for doing this. And everyone should go check out your show. And you guys can also check out us on the social media that we are very bad at posting on. But all of it is, uh, what is the name of our show? Pullback. <laughs> Potential pullback. Yeah, exactly. You can tell we've been recording for too long and we will say goodbye now. Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) When we used to do our old show with Kyle, the two of them used to eat while talking. Like, they'd be sitting there, like, eating chips and nuts and then be like... (laughs) 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 Well, that does make me feel better. Thank you, Kieran. (laughs) And Kristen's fine.